Hello and welcome to Get It Off Your Breasts, the podcast that digs into all the issues really getting under your skin. With me, Emma Gannon. And me, Leanna Bird. So we're very excited that today's guest was Shafi Kosande, brilliant comedian who we're both huge fans of. And today with her, we will be talking about being content to be single, sharenting, and our obsession with celebrity breakups. And we just want to say thank you so much for uh, listening to our podcast, first of all. And also, if you can, spare two seconds, please rate and review us on iTunes. We have a little challenge for you. We thought, as the podcast is called Get It Off Your Breasts, we would see whether you can leave us a little cheeky review which manages to slip in a word for breasts without it being too overtly obvious. So Emma and I thought of some terrible examples. <laughs> Go ahead, Emma. Such as a melon's alive, this is great. Or um, jolly coconuts, this is a fantastic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so you could do better than that, we're sure. <laughs> be creative and we have a little something for you if you do leave a really great comment. We will get in touch with you and there is a prize to be won. Yeah, so we will be reading all the comments and picking out what we, our favourite is and, and sharing it and contacting you with a little prize. So we hope you really enjoy this episode with Shappy and here it is. So Shappy, thank you so much for joining us today and get it off your breasts. We, it's my pleasure. We are so happy to have you. We've all taken our clothes off. Running around naked. It's amazing. Yeah, getting our breasts out. Brilliant. That's what, what we do. <laughs> um, so we have invited you here, of course, to get something off your breasts, yeah, um, which are now free to the world. Okay. Um, what would you like to talk about today? Well, right, okay. So I would like to talk about the fact that I've had this epiphany. I've realised recently that I don't have to be in a relationship. Isn't that amazing? I don't have to. I don't have to. No, no one can make me. <laughs> no one can make me. And I don't need to be. And when I when my daughter was born, I've got two children, and I was single, and my dad and I was like obsessed with this guy, and I was all hormonal. And my dad said to me, "But Shappy, you have your children now. It is time to have fun doing whatever you like." And basically, my dad was saying, "Now you got kids. Why do you need the man? You know, the, their dads didn't stick around. Why do you want to find some other bozo?" <laughs> but no, they're not bozos, and I've been out with incredible guys um, in the last couple of years, but. I was at the Edinburgh Festival this year, and I made a I, the, what's best described as a total mess with my love life. And I was walking along in Edinburgh, and I bumped into a lovely comic called David O'Doherty, and I said to him, and he bless his heart, he was having a little quiet moment on the on the ground, just sitting on the ground somewhere as you do sometimes in Edinburgh. I was going to sit on the floor, <laughs> and I went, David, I've just realised I'm 44. And I have never been comfortable in a relationship. They've always been dramatic and chaotic. And I've realised I no longer need to have them. It's been amazing. Does this mean, though, that you're still having relationships? It's just that the label is not a thing anymore. You're still maybe dating? Or is it, is it no, that you're I'm just not, completely I'm not? not... I, I'm, I, don't, um, I don't have time. I've, I've always heard other people say, I don't have time. And I didn't have time, but I had them anyway. And so my time was crumpled, but it's the lot, you know, it's, it's just another human being to deal with. <laughs> you know, it's, um, my kids are small. Um, my work is fun and it, you know, I work in the creative industry, so I kind of have to create it myself oh. and do it myself and make things. And I also have a doll's house that I'm upcycling, and I haven't Very given important. that enough Very time. <laughs> I know. 
children are not allowed near it. No, I just thought that I have been a crap girlfriend. I've been rubbish, actually. I haven't, I haven't been a good one in the last couple of years with delightful people that have come into my life and uh, I've just been, I've just finished reading Nick Hornby's How to Be Good. Now it's mm. published like years ago, but for some reason it slipped through my net of Nick Hornby books. And it sort of describes a marriage so brilliantly where there are children. And they work really hard to keep it together. In a way they work hard, but they do. And and I realise that since I've broken up with both the fathers of my children compromise is really hard mm. isn't yeah. that horrible realization it's really hard to compromise so in order to spend time with you and nurture our relationship that means i have to spend time away from either home or work and i've done that too much mm. so it's, it's basically that humans have a finite amount of time and resource and what you're saying is you something's got to give sometimes yeah something's got given before my personal time gave you know I just never had a moment of um, a moment to sit and read or uh, a book that I wanted to rather than a book for work I'm always having to read things for work and I can't just thought oh I'm just going to read this or um or or you know I'm making making light of it but I do find upcycling really therapeutic <laughs> and you know there's no time to upcycle because I had to sort of come out the jack-in-the-box and go hey it's girlfriend time I'm gonna be happy happy girlfriend and we're gonna do exciting things and I, I had a boyfriend who is still um, one of my dearest friends um, and I went to see more live music with him than I ever have done and we had so much fun and at the end of it I was exhausted and we're still friends I hope but I just want to see him happy mm. so with someone else so was it a moment of epiphany was there one thing that happened and you just sort of went bing a little light bulb moment right that's it I actually don't want to be in a relationship anymore yeah. or was it something that accumulated slowly over the years and you just came to this point naturally it was something that people other people who cared about me told me it's like chap why don't you spend some time on your own and I'd be like but no I like sex I like I like the excitement I like all that and I want someone for me and also I have to be really honest here can I can I be honest rather than my usual lies please do <laughs> um, right so my little girl has never met her biological father and I did feel an incredible um, disappointment that she didn't meet him mm. or um, and I think that I felt almost like a duty to fill what I perceived as a gap and I think my epiphany is realizing she has no gap. Mm. She's got me, and what she needs is a, a mum who is happy and present, and you know, um, everything else in our life is filled with people who love her. She's got a strong relationship with my ex-boyfriend. She's got a very strong relationship with my ex-husband, who's her her brother's dad, with my brother, with my dad. Mm. We, she doesn't have that gap and then I thought I haven't um, been there enough I haven't been mindful enough around mm. them there's it's, a word I'm using a lot lately mindful mm. it's interesting because I feel like I don't know if there's any full-on research or studies on this but anecdotally I always hear people parents or mo mothers in particular who 
feel so guilty about everything and they almost like have no time for themselves and this idea that you know the whole like put your gas mask on before you put it on someone else yeah like a lot of people I feel don't do that but I think it's we've been socially conditioned yeah. as women to not really give our time to others yeah sorry to give too much time yeah. to others mm. um yeah you're useless to other people if you're not taking care of yourself you're useless and that's something I've logically known but haven't properly put it into practice sort of thinking that there's some kind of glory some kind of martyrdom mm. to being this like blue ass fly running around mm. but actually it's not productive and um, it's yeah that it's time to just really sort of take stock and realizing that a relationship with my ex now needs to be redefined mm. and I have this thing when people say a failed marriage. Why is it failed? You've had 10 wonderful years together. You've had five wonderful years together, three or four ones, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, th I think perhaps this idea that one thing, one person is gonna fulfill everything for mm. you. Now, I've always said mm. this, I've never said this to boyfriends, but I felt this. Like, I've never felt that like, infidelity is the be all end all um, it, it, fidelity is the be all end all monogamy mm -hmm. I think there's far worse things you can do to somebody than get naked with somebody else mm -hmm. I think there's worse things you can do and so I'm not saying that I've practiced that or but I just I just think that it's time to sort of take stock and go is that, that is so want? interesting because I think it, there's so many um, books and like TED talks and things out at the moment about mm. how mo monogamy is dead. And if you think back to like hundreds and thousands of centuries ago, we weren't meant to just be with one mm. person. But I am definitely that person who's mm. like, if my boyfriend cheated on me, I would be distraught. But so I think, I think the whole way that we view relationships now, in a way, is is naturally changing. And I think it was actually really refreshing what you said about what your dad said. Because mm. when you start talking about him, I was expecting you to end that sentence by saying, and he was like, Shappy, you've got children. Now you must find a good man mm. to help. And mm. actually, it was the opposite. And that's really refreshing because I do think, like, especially in our society still, and it's changing, but there is a tendency to view women and for women to view themselves in relation to their the significant others, whether that's a, so I'm someone's wife, someone's girlfriend, someone's mother, some you know, someone's daughter. And, and I think we kind of, if we don't have that, we're made to feel a bit inadequate in a way, and there's a pressure. So I think you saying that in a way, you've kind of gone, actually, I don't need to define my, I don't need that anymore. Yeah. I'm okay on my own. Yeah, and, 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 and I wasn't happy. before, yeah. I have to say, I wasn't before. I, I um wanted that reassurance um but then I sort of you know I'm I, I I steer my own ship you know financially I'm independent and I raise my two children on my income you know mm. like I don't I don't have any contribution and I am fine with that and I'm, I'm proud of that um though though I know that you know um, it's where my Middle Eastern side comes out and I feel really awkward talking about money but it is important financial mm. independence is incredibly important to me and always has been and if there's one thing my parents instilled in me particularly as a woman um, I remember I went on a date with a boy when I was 15 it was like my first formal date and my dad gave me money and he said whatever it was Pizza Hut you know 
And my dad said, whatever happens, you pay for the dinner. Because... I love your parents. Yeah. I, know. I want to meet your dad. <laughs> well, I think he took it a bit too far. I always went out with absolutely brassic men. Like, flipping neck. But it, it's important because it gives you choice. It gives you choices. Mm. Can I ask you, Shappy, do yeah. you think that this is a temporary thing? That you will feel like this for a couple of years or for 10 years or however long. Mm. But if uh, the right person comes along again, you're open to it. Or do you actually feel, this is it now. I am like... Taking my vow of celibacy and I'm out the game and oh, I've never, you know, is it, are you, are you, are you oh, listen, flexible? mate, I never said I was celibate. Yeah, well, like, that's true, that's true. Yeah. No, that's why I was going to ask emotionally you as, celibate. as well. Is, yeah. is, it, is, it, is it an emotional thing that you're just it saying? Like, just don't get attached right now. It, yeah, absolutely. And, and also, I think it's irresponsible. It has been irresponsible of me to allow incredibly lovely men to get attached to me because mm. I can't, I can't return it at the moment but um but that's interesting because uh, with the with the future because I don't know nobody knows their future what I do know is my outlook has changed because I didn't you know when you look at your life and you see certain patterns that you have uh, repeated mm -hmm. and my pattern has been um gorgeous guy funny kind, pretty, I'm very shallow, <laughs> um, decide I like you, I want to be with you, and I go, all right then, not, not assholes, not horrible people, but good people, so I'm not completely, um, not, not, I'm not a complete melon, but never really considering other than fun and a laugh, what are they giving me, mm. and pretty blue eyes. What are they giving me? I've never really considered that. I go, oh, well, they're good with the kids. Isn't that great? They're good with my kids. Or well, what are they like with me? Mm. Um, Do you think it helps, though, that it sounds like they're both really still very much attached to you? They're not going anywhere, really, it sounds like, because they're still... Like a safety net in a way You're very very if, smart because if they <laughs> both tomorrow me were engaged that. to other people I'm just saying because I'm saying leave gap. it's yeah. nice to have people that um that they sound really trusting and really lovely and it's nice to not have the label and have them still there are you saying Emma I keep men on ice <laughs> <laughs> just on there's, reserve yeah there's just nothing more feminist about yeah. this I love it um <laughs> perhaps you're right perhaps I am aware that they care about me very deeply Perhaps I am aware of that. I am aware of that. It's not there's no perhaps about it. And I've been in this situation before when you when you decide that this can't be right, and then they they do meet someone else. But I'm 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 a hundred percent sure, absolutely hundred percent sure, that if my ex boyfriend said to me, um, "I've met someone else. I'm so happy. I really, however much I'd have to go and have a little moment, I'd be really happy for him." Mm -hmm. Thing. Yeah, but That's I think, but test, I think, but there it? is a difference, isn't there, between being happy for someone and feeling the loss of them being there for you in a way that they can't necessarily be mm. once they're in a relationship. I mean, I'm I'm very close friends with my ex. We were together for five years, but you know, and we're very good friends. I could pick up the phone to him right now if I had an issue, and he'd be there for me. But our our friendship and our relationship had to change when one of us got into a serious relationship because they can't be that person anymore. That when you have that great thing happening that day or that terrible thing that happened that day, they're the one you, yeah. you speak to, that shifts. So now it's like, we'll now speak once every six months and mm. we'll have a lovely conversation or we'll meet up and it'll be great, but it's not quite as it was. It, mm. There's a transitional time, so it does shift. You redefine yeah. Yeah. and that and that's all right. And, and um, that's kind of nail on the head as well. When little things happen in your day, 
that person you call, I've had to consciously go, I'm not calling you anymore. I'm going to call my friend and I'm going to call my brother. Mm. And I've re- this sounds really awful to just have this stuff. I've rediscovered my mum. <laughs> She's really cool. I tell her like <laughs> silly little things. It's like, honestly, I feel so guilty about this. But for ages now, my mum's just been this person that just... She's been like my wife. That, oh God, now there's that's that sexist. And then she's like, I'm like, hello, darling. I just want to, Mum, can you look after the kids today? I've got this thing now, and you need to. I'm sending a cab over now. Come and look after the kids. She go. She'll turn up with her little bag full of. Uh, she'll go to the fridge and anything nice that she thinks she's got that I'd like to eat. She'll bring it over. And now oh I bring her up. Love your parents. Like, yeah. no, I, t- I tell her silly little things about my day, and I told her that I broke up my boyfriend. She goes. Well, I think you just always are happiest when you can choose your dramas. I'll say, well, <laughs> all right, mum. So yeah, you yeah that they then they become. But my um, um, I don't know how much my ex-husband would thank me talking about him, but I will tell you about this. But my ex-husband and I broke up um, eight years ago, and it was the toughest thing I've ever lived mm. through. And it went on for years. The breakup went on for years and um, it was the toughest thing I've ever been through. And um, we have a son. And he was with somebody for six or seven years um, that that situation was tricky. And then he broke up with that person and moved near to me he moved down the end of my road and our relationship changed it was I don't think it was any uh, coincidence that it was seven years after we broke up that seven year grief cycle Mm -hmm. had ended and all of my upset and my anger and my bitterness had gone and I said to my boy the next woman that your daddy goes out with I'm going to love and this year at the Edinburgh Festival, um, he, he introduced me to his brand new girlfriend, and I knew her. She's someone that I've worked, you know, known in the comedy industry. Mm. I was like, it's you, come to my arms. <laughs> and we, you know, we went out drinking till like the early hours, and anyone that came up to her, she was, uh, she would bat them away and go, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you right now. I'm just talking to, I'm, I'm just having a letter with my uh, new boyfriend's ex-wife. <laughs> just giggling and laughing and he I was kept that. circling around me going Shappy don't mess this up for me, don't mess <laughs> up for me. and you know and I saw them several times um, during the festival and I cannot begin to tell you what a, what a light that is in my life and in order to, for that to happen in a way I needed to be single because mm. other boyfriends don't haven't always understood my need to be friends with my ex-husband mm. or to make this other sort of very modern family um, you know I'll say oh, I'm going to go out with him and his girlfriend and my boyfriend would be like why are we hanging out Weird. with your ex-husband <laughs> and I'm like because it's another the... example of the labels thing holding yeah. you back it's yeah, like yeah. the modern family thing is such a nice way to put it you're like the anti-Dr Foster though I don't know if you've been watching it but no. I feel like you're the antithesis for that oh really <laughs> you should, it's like the complete opposite of a relationship breakdown where it just all goes so wrong and they just hate and it's revenge and it's just can't move forward and yeah so it's quite oh but I was mm. there though I was there yeah. for six years well then you're the hope for the Dr Foster's of the future <laughs> yeah. so five years on from where we are now in the I mean two years it was so <laughs> bad that my, my boyfriend communicated with mm. my ex-husband but now like 
you know, we, we, we could almost hug. <laughs> we haven't yet. You'll it's be all around the Christmas weird. tree soon. Yeah. Oh, no, we, we, spent, we spent last um, Christmas Day together. Um, so I have a question for you. Yes. I think there's going to be a lot of women listening to this who feel like they would love to be able to have that moment that you've had and actually let themselves off the hook um, and be single and not need a relationship and not define themselves by it. But they will maybe struggle too for various reasons, whether it's pressures from society, whether it's financial reasons, whether it's just because they are addicted to love, you know, mm. whatever the reasons. Um, what would you say to those women who are serial daters perhaps or jumping from relationship to relationship? Um, how can they find that strength or that resolution or, you know, or just... I mean, not obviously not all of them should do this, but if they are feeling like they want to and they're scared to have that, let themselves off that hook, what would you say to them? Well, it, it depends. I mean, they could be in a relationship where they're terribly fond of the person they're with, but still feeling like they're on a, uh, a clunk, stop, start, stop, start cycle, which is never fun mm -hmm. in the long run. It might give you adrenaline, an adrenaline rush, but it's not peaceful. Um... It all depends on the circumstance, you know, like um, when, I, when, when I was first single after my husband and I broke up, I had to deal with being a single parent and I felt so sad when I went to the park and I saw mums and dads and their kids and I had to like train myself to go, you don't even know if that's the dad, that may be the stepdad, that may be the brother, that may be whatever. So all my life, because I'm really hectic, I'm hectic as a person, I leap from one topic to another, my thought, I can't remember the names of my closest friends when I talk about them, just scramble, scramble, scramble. And for years, people have told me to meditate. And so I tried to go to meditation classes, and I'd just be there, just going, oh lady, hurry this up, I've got shit to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're taking up my time. But, um... <laughs> I love that. I felt exactly the like, look at your watch, like, hurry up. Come on. Would you just hurry up and make me feel calm? Did you do that thing where you stop writing the emails you need to write in your yeah. head during the meditation? You're like, I can't wait to get out of here so I can write the emails. I used to do that. Well. I think that is massively uh, a London thing. And yeah. living in the city, we're always telling ourselves, busy, busy, busy. Yeah. I'm busy, busy, busy. I remember my brother saying to me, Shap, Obama's busy, not you. <laughs> this is when he was president of... Good times. So, okay, so at the Edinburgh Festival this year, my kids were in London for the first five days and I had this weird experience where I was without my children or a partner for five days on my own in my flat because I needed to um, write my show. It wasn't fully written when I arrived. And um, I started listening to and a couple of other female comedians turned me on to um, meditation. They said, oh, after gigs to wind down, what do you do? And I was like, oh, drink. Because <laughs> you've got all that adrenaline when you're on stage and then you drink yourself, stupid, and then you go to bed. That I've done that for 20 years, right? And then um, someone t told me about meditation, um, guided sleep meditation. Mm. And in Edinburgh, those, those first few days when I didn't have any bath times to do, I, um, I did that. I went to bed at 10 and I listened to guided sleep meditation and it's a bit Alan Partridge but oh my god it worked it really really worked actually meditating and it feels like um, you've you've gone you know those magic eye pictures that were really popular in the mm. 90s we've got a it feels like I've um, I found that world and I'm magically meeting other people who meditate. And they go, ah, here is where the peace is. And just having that 10 minutes before bedtime to slow your mind down without booze 
without anything else, without mad exercise, because I have to go running. Yeah, I'll get like, you know, the show done, show finishes at eight, then I'm going to go for an hour's run, which is brilliant and worth it. But actually, my God, just sitting still and clearing your thoughts out mm-hmm. suddenly made me finish with my boyfriend. Do you know what I think is really interesting, <laughs> though? On that note... Yes. Have I talked too much? Not at all. No, it's been brilliant. Well. It's been really, really brilliant. Um, you have talked quite a lot about your kids. Yeah. And this is partly why I wanted to bring this particular topic that I've been thinking about for a while up today, because Emma and I aren't parents yet. And it'd be really interesting to get a perspective of a parent on sharenting. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if you even know what sharenting is. It's a, one of those lovely words where you smush two words together, which is sharing and parenting, which is basically my mums and dads post tons of photos or even just one photo but they post photos of their kids of their babies on social media obviously the kids have not given them consent especially when they're babies some of these photos could be embarrassing they could be nude they could be doing silly things um and i read an article about it the other day by columnist and he was talking about it and kind of defending it and in it he, that he mentioned that there had been a poll and that 56 percent of people in britain who were polled said that they didn't agree with sharenting and they think it's wrong. So obviously it's kind of, well, 44%, so it's kind of almost split half-half, think that it is okay. And I do think, and he and, and he mentioned in it that the main sort of objection that he finds, he gets, because he loves to put post photos of his kids, is that people accuse him of being boring, you know, oversharing, who cares about your kids, like stop going on about your children, people without kids find it boring, blah, blah, blah. And he was kind of defending that. But actually, I think there's something a lot more kind of significant there to think about, which is these, you know, the rights of these young people who will grow up and may end up being very introverted people who don't like having any kind of public um, persona and don't like sharing their life online. Or they may end up being someone who is in the public eye, you know, a politician or um, a movie star or someone who really doesn't want to have photos of them having their nappy changed or, you know, naked in the bath with some of the kids. And I think we're going to start seeing, and I know it's happened in Austria, you mentioned before, Sheffield, yeah. that you have heard of this case. There was an 18-year-old who sued her parents for posting embarrassing photos of her as a baby. But I think here in the UK and globally, um, we're going to start seeing that in the future. We're going to see kids growing up and suing their parents. And so I kind of wanted your perspective on it as a parent. You know, What do you think about it? Do you think it's fair play that they're your kids? And if you want to post about them... They have to lump it, you do enough for them, and you know, why should they complain? Or do you think that, that we, we should really think a bit more carefully about it? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, for, right, first of all, Facebook is my way of connecting with my family all over the world who aren't physically here to watch my kids mm-hmm. grow. So I've got a Facebook group and I, put, I share the kids' photos on there. I never, oh, when I was pregnant with my boy, I wanted to get a 3D picture. <laughs> of him and my dad said why can't he just develop in the womb without someone thrusting a camera in his face there's nothing sacred there's nothing private he's trying to grow a nose he's trying to grow a chin his heart's only half full can we get your dad on this podcast at some point I feel like we need to have him on he's oh got such God. a great perspective on life there's nothing sacred and so I didn't and, um, and I was very sort of adamant that I wouldn't have um pictures of my my children but then what happens other people put pictures of your kids up well-meaning people and 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 you think oh am I going to go around and tell them not to I mean obviously nothing naked nothing Mm -hmm. embarrassing or anything but um uh, I went on a program called big stars little star with my son and I I I saw that 
like, well, you know, I thought that'll go into his university fund. <laughs> I thought, you know what, I've let him go on telly. So the odd snap on Facebook is okay. And my, um, you know, my, my daughter loves her, you know, loves the whole, oh, let's see what you've put on. And like, you know, her grandma will write her a message and all that. But I do keep it to a, a tight group. I have everyone see except that's a good idea because it's not because it's not public and also there are some people who follow me on facebook they're literally comedians i've met once and it's more like why you know why am i why do you need to see my living room you don't need to see my living room i'll I'll protect you from my living room (laughs) and then the first day of school everyone it's this new thing that everyone takes a photo of their kids at the front door first day of school my son hates having his photo taken so I said, it's Cass's first day. He wouldn't let me take a picture, but here's the front door anyway. <laughs> I just posted a picture of our front door. Um, it's a tricky one. And I posted a picture the other day of, and my brother took a photograph of me. What I feel sad about is we're losing the art of snapshots. Everything's a selfie. You can't tell anything from a selfie. I went on holiday and my brother took a photo of me while I was shouting at my kids in the checkout line. It's my favorite photo. <laughs> I, my face is, con- I'm, I'm trying to be stern mummy. My boy's looking away and my daughter's sitting on the trolley. I can't see her, but she's got a hand over her mouth and she's pissing herself laughing because <laughs> I've lost my temper. Do you know Stuart- I put that on Facebook, <laughs> a bit of reality. Do you know Stuart Lee does a really lovely bit about selfies in his last show that I saw where he basically said, calls selfies something like, um, a series of images of you standing in front of something that is infinitely more interesting than you <laughs> yes. are. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> so Sarah Pascoe does a line in her show about that as well. Like, you're obscuring something beautiful with your face. But I find it really interesting that I'm, I'm, I'm literally sat here feeling really old, and I'm only 28, because when I grew up, like you would bring in a photo to school of you and your friend when you're little and be like, oh, how nice is this? But also I got to, re- I got not reinvent, I got to invent myself online from the age of like 17 upwards. Got myself a blog, got myself mm-hmm. Facebook. I'd already grown up. I'd already had a lot of like amazing times climbing trees and being out in nature and not on a phone. And I have like photo albums that no one needs to see. They're so mm-hmm. private and I just feel... It, it makes me sad that, like, my nephew, for example, loves the fact that I'm verified on Instagram. He's or on Twitter. He's just like, oh, my God. And that's what freaks me out is, like, kids feeling like their self-worth is going to be based mm. on... How many pic- likes that has that pic- got? Yeah. How many likes? Yeah. Because it's not just sharing, is it? It's actually, you know, kids and teenagers posting themselves. And I don't know what the age now is to have an Instagram account or, mm. a, you know... I guess they lie anyway. But, <laughs> but, you know, there's so much stuff from my youth that if there was photos... I've got these really, like you said, these photos of me as a teenager dressed up in, like, the most horrendous, like, corsets and leather trousers. I was, like, 13. I don't know what I was doing. But anyway, I just looked absolutely horrific with, like, massive hair and horrendous makeup and all these kinds of things. And you just think... I'm really glad that's not out there, you know, and I'm really glad I didn't have an Instagram to post it on. And I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, it's like when you read your diaries, I don't know if you've ever found a diary from when you're 13, they are the most cringy Cringe, things in the world. Yeah. And you're like, thank God no one reads the stuff. If I had like a Twitter and like yeah. a public account, I would have and I was blogging, like, oh my God, I'd be so mortified. So yeah. it's, it, I suppose it's a wider thing, yeah. but at least then you can only, bl- I mean, you can grow up and wish you hadn't had it, but at least if it's you, 
you can't suit yourself and you can't be too angry with yourself but it is it is a dangerous thing I suppose but if it's your parents doing it but you want to be your parents don't you when you're younger like you're like oh um, you know mum's playing on this exciting thing I want to play on it like my parents didn't have phones or iPads when I was growing up because they I'd be in like computer room on like a big white desktop computer like mm. playing games and they'd be like what are you doing but what's weird now is people keep saying oh kids just come out of the womb and love phones they love tech and it's like no they don't they yeah. love that you're on yeah. your phone and they're yeah. like what's that shiny thing it's like car keys kids love car keys because mm. you're always holding them do you know what my, my son wrote two, uh, two years ago his Christmas list it was um, just little things and number six was for mummy to stay off her phone for a whole day <laughs> And at the end, he wrote a, a little asterisk on it, and he wrote, um, number six is the only one I really, really, really want. Oh, bless him. Crack. Yeah, oh. it's, it's interesting that, but that, that gives me faith in, in, the, in like the younger, younger generation that actually, because they can have it whenever they want, maybe they don't want it actually yeah. as much. Like, we're binging on it because we're still like, ah, it's so shiny and new. I, th- I think that, and also just in my own defense, I have said to my son so many times, do you want mummy to go and work in an office? for six hours a day because that's the alternative yes. I don't work in an office so while I'm with you guys sometimes I've got to pick up my phone and email and that might be at two in the afternoon uh, when you've got um, you know in the summer holidays that I've got to do emailing the alternative is mummy gets an office and I'm not here yeah. so because yeah, why do we still like have well this annoying stigma or judgment that someone on their phone means candy crush like it's things like bagging or shopping, yeah. or but I think the thing is, so I do that a lot. I'm on, my, I, I'm, I work freelance in lots of different jobs, so I'm on my phone a lot. And I think the danger of that is, and I do know, you know, with my partner, etc. Like it can be frustrating because you're never off. So there is something. Yes, an office, you know, job has its downsides as well. But when you finish, you finish, or you should finish. Mm-hmm. You know, you put your laptop down, you go home. But when you're you're constantly working on your phone you feel you have to respond instantly you know it's whatsapp now and you're being rude if you don't so you're never off and it can I can get why it's frustrating for the person that's in the house with you and you know there's never a moment when you're kind of like on totally present free time yeah that's that comes that's a residue of growing up in a time and generation where a phone call took precedence over everything else that went on if you were up a ladder and How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And the phone went, it might be an emergency. Mm. And even though now we, we use our phones as the main medium of communication, in our minds, we're still thinking it's the most important mm. thing. And that needs to change. And what I find interesting is um, people like my nanny. I have a nanny called William. I'm just showing off there. I'm so cosmopolitan. I have a male nanny. A manny. Uh, a manny. <laughs> uh, Harry Poppins. Um, he is 24. <laughs> and... He only has his. He only responds to his phone if he's with his. If he's with the kids, when he's got time off, he'll leave his phone at home and just go off with his mates. Mm. He has no interest in the constant staying in touch. Likewise, my friend Becky, who is twenty-four, also not interested in keeping contact because they're that generation mm. where it's always been there. So they're like. Well, no, because I'm doing this now. Mm. And I find that, oh, it's my generation that's like, click, 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 what's happening? Yeah, we're all obsessed and addicted, aren't we? Because yeah. we did, maybe because we didn't have it. I didn't have it. Maybe it's, it's still novelty some, in a way yeah. to like not have to like go down to the bank and like do post a check. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Sound, other people sound ancient. I still find that exciting that I can do everything from bed. Can't believe that we don't have to actually move to speak to people. <laughs> um, can I ask, Happy, how old are your kids? My son was 10 the other day and my daughter's four. So with your 10-year-old in particular, do you think that, um, just going back to the whole sharing thing, like, would there be a moment where you might have a conversation with him and say, for example, I've got this really cool photo of you, I wanted to post it, is that cool? Because I feel like there's also, it's not just with kids, but there's also like a whole way of posting photos now where we don't ask people for consent. And like, I'll go out and someone will post a photo and I'm like, I wish you could have asked me because I look terrible, which is obviously just a vanity yeah. thing. But other people might have other reasons for not wanting the world to know also where I they are. Also I went to a wedding recently points. and they were like, please can no one post any photos yeah. till you do. And I thought, that's, that's, yeah, fair enough. But I feel no, like fair, people yeah. kind of assume that it's okay to post where you are at every point and, you know, without asking. So do you, mm. do you think, is that something that you might, as your kids growing up have a conversation and actually start asking him for his permission I know I do already oh you do oh yeah yeah because he doesn't like his photo being taken full stop and then I'll go oh can I just take a nice one to put on Facebook for your aunt in Iran and then he'll pose and he'll mm. do one mm. um, that's that's good but I the other more awkward conversations I have with him is about we're talking about um, what obviously I worry about I don't worry but I think about when he can Google whatever he wants to. Mm. And I already have had conversations with him about the internet and things that you can't unsee. And and about, um, you know, and, and I will have really open and excruciating conversations with him about pornography, but I think you have to now. Mm. You have to sort of explain. And violence as well, I think that's another yeah. thing. You can you can look at something really violent and it, violent and it really affects you without you realising. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, it brings you down without you realising. and. Yeah addiction to looking at the same thing over and over again mm. and um, mm. all of that but yeah I think it's really important to give them ownership of their own image mm. um, I, I, you know it's I know that there are some people who almost like to make 
internet characters for their children. Um, I've seen that, you know, they'll have a Twitter account for their children and, and, and that for me, I wouldn't do that. That's not comfortable for me. I want our relationship to be here. You know, I'm, I'm gesturing like I'm, that anyone can see me, but I want my relationship with my family to be close to me and not really let outside in. Mm. It's really funny because my boyfriend doesn't let me post anything of him, ever. Mm. Like, he, he, if I'm like, please, can I post this amazing selfie of us in Paris? Like, please. He, but he quizzes me, he's like, why? Why do you want to share that picture? And I'm like, because we both look really cute. And he's like, no, um, wh- like, why does anyone want to see that? And I'm like, well, my, my thing is like, my friends follow me on Instagram and they actually do want to see pictures of us because they do, like my mum mm. and my dad want to see pictures. But people are but interested he's in... like, I'm just, you're like, why? He, he really doesn't get it. People mm. are interested in other people's relationships. And I think it's particularly, you know, you've got a blog, people buy into you, you know, your life, they care about you. So they probably would want to know. But I really get what but he's he doesn't want to be like, plus yeah. one blogger boyfriend. Well, like. I get that. I mean, my partner's the same. He won't post anything about us or anything about really his close family or anything like that. And, I, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, I was a bit like, you just a bit embarrassed of me. You just don't want to throw it to me in there. And he was like, no. It. He was yeah. like, it's too yeah. special. I don't yeah. want to give it away to the world. He's like, yeah. he's like, I have so much of my life that belongs to the public and that's fine. I have to, you know, that's part of what I do. But there's some things, you know, his parents, me, you know, mm. certain relationships some things are sacred. which are special yeah. and you don't yeah. want to share that with strangers necessarily or, you know, the public. Mm. Um, and that, I was like, oh, that's really nice, actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. So you, that's you, what he says. Yeah. He's like, well, it's just for us. And yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I want to post it. We did it really nice. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're like, oh, that's cute, but I'm posting it because <laughs> I look great in it. Are you, okay, you do, okay. you do, you are in danger of opening up a can of worms. If if you then yeah if you decide to do that then if like I never put pictures of my children up on Twitter, mm. I think once I did but I took it down really quickly just because um that it was Syrian refugee kids when the de- oh I could cry mm. when the decision was made not to let um oh yeah the it was accept any more kids under the dust scheme no it wasn't that it was it was uh, when we decided to strike Syria yeah. I put pictures of my children up and I went, yours are mine. You know, like mm. there's no difference. I can't even talk about it. Honestly, mm. get so hormonal. You can't even rain the, I just talk about children being hurt. Like, ah. It's only it's hormonal. I think, hormonal, I think that's natural. Is that, yeah, just, well, I'm apologizing for it. I know. Human. Yeah, I just, I just put pictures of them and I said, these are no different. The government of my country is bombing these children. They're no different to my children. And I put pictures of them up. And then I saw comments going, oh, you've got such beautiful kids. And I just took mm. it down. I was yeah. like, no, that's, I don't, strangers in their pants looking mm. at pictures of my children mm. on the internet. Mm. I don't like that. Well, talking about um, relationships and the internet, this segues into my finishing topic, which is the fact that people are so over-invested, I think, to a creepy amount in other people's relationships. Mm. Um, but more in particular, um, celebrity relationships. So yeah, recently Fergie and Josh Duhamel, don't know how don't know how to say his name, and um, Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas have split up. And then before that, quite recently again, um, Chris Pratt and Anna Faris broke up. And it reminded me of my friend who rang me in tears, crying down the phone, like I thought something really bad had happened. She was like, um, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt have broken up and I don't know what to do. And honestly, 
I was baffled. Wow. Um, people care about celebrity breakups. I've I put on Twitter actually recently um, that I didn't get it, and loads of comments were just like, "Oh, but you know, it's we, it's okay to care. I really care." They didn't really elaborate, and I wanted to ask you guys really what you thought about it because I do not give a crap about celebrity relationships. Like, I care about my own, I care about my family, I care about my friends, but I'm not gonna cry if the Beckhams break up tomorrow. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you care if um, someone in the public eye dies? So would you would that upset you? Or do you really feel like, I don't know these people. I'm not over Prince. No, I, that, I, I definitely would. And, and I mean, I sometimes get really sad that Friends isn't on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, things end and that's very sad. And I think any person has nostalgia and they also think, oh my God, that person's not around anymore. Like, I watched Harry Potter again the other night and I was like, Alan Rickman like you know you just get really sad so yes I do so but do you think that's in a way related so you've you've invested in people and you've upset when they die even though you've never met them you don't know they you know who they are what they're really like um but it can affect you do you think that's connected in a way to people who it's a different level obviously but have that investment in someone's relationship and they feel like it's the the death of a love that they believed in I do get that but I think what more what I'm like that I don't like and that I think is like a total waste of time is I guess it's people that really care and they like pick and they want to know why and they want to like really delve into uh, the behind the scenes of the relationship and I just think why do you care about people you've never met but also the media and how they it's none of our business is it no, they feast off it, don't they? Mm. I don't know. I just find it interesting that like people genuinely have to like take the day off work because they're so is sad. Your, that, is like... your friend still upset? <laughs> You're really worried about this friend, I aren't you? <laughs> I think she. To be honest, who knows? She could have been like, could have been the time of the month. I think it was just she cared so much. Wow, blew my mind. It's blown but my mind. I think mind. a lot of people care. So I'm going to admit. So I, I'm. When, when we first spoke about this, before we started recording Emma, I was a bit like, yeah, I know, I think that's, it's a bit insane and I don't really understand that at all. And then I thought about it and was like, actually, there was a couple that split up that I, I didn't cry over. I certainly didn't call people crying, but I was, I did feel a bit sad. And then and Angie. Was not them. People still <laughs> write should have been that one. I wish it them. was that one. Um, actually, I probably would care more about it if it was someone in a soap because, oh God, I, Christina and Paul, anyone remembering Neighbours? Oh, yeah, yeah, I sobbed. Yeah. I literally sobbed for about a day. But anyway, um, but back to real life relationships. Helena Bonham Carter and Tim Burton, I, I felt quite saddened by. And, and obviously I don't know them, so I had no reason to feel sad. But I think it was more what they represented and this kind of, I thought the way that they lived their life, you know, had a very alternative way of marriage that wasn't this cookie cutter, you know, 2.4 children and they lived in this houses next door and they were both quite eccentric and seemed to let each other have their careers and their lives and it just, it was was quite aspirational for me. Mm. And so for that to, well, I suppose it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Shafi, you shouldn't say for that to not work because it did work for a very, Mm. very long time. And for whatever reason, which is none of our business, it's now moved on to something else and they have, you know, they've got a different relationship now, I'm sure. Um, But I suppose I was a little bit like, oh, because that was a really nice example of mm-hmm. people doing it their way um, and it working. Yeah. So um, you're projecting almost like your own faith in that thing. Exactly. But our producer, Shola, is really, you said that you really care about celebrity relationships. So let's just turn, <laughs> turn it on you for a minute. Like, I get really sad when certain celebrities break up. And going to back to the death thing, when David Bowie died, I was absolutely distraught. And Captain oh, yeah. Beefheart as well. Like, crying but with celebrity I think with celebrity relationships because when I was growing up I used to always get 
quite obsessed with musicians and like actors and actresses and I think because they're put on such a pedestal that they have this expectation it's almost weirdly like how the royals are treated and when that diminishes and when that you know you kind of feel like oh is there hope for us you know if they can't do it you know because they're supposed to be perfect that's how they're portrayed what, in the media what breakups really gutted you quickly Sienna Miller and Tom Sodridge because I thought that they were going to make it forever so so I think you just touched on something really important there because I think that it is it's like the death of a dream so we've all been brought up and especially women with a fairy tale um story that you know from a very young age you're read these you know which we have, I have issues with anyway, but you know, that the princess and the prince are going to end up together, which feeds back also into what you were saying about, Happy you know, needing a relationship and all the rest of it. Um, and I think when you see two people that you really love in the public eye, um, and you feel like, oh my God, they're the perfect couple, they're amazing. It's like it validates this childhood fairy tale dream that you can live happily ever after. And when that breaks up, it's like, what if there is no true love? If they can't make it, what hope do we have? Mm. And so I think it's, it, it is, it's, you know, we're all narcissists at the core. And I think like sad as we may be for them, we're not really, we're sad for us. And we're sad of the dream and the hope and the aspiration that we had to one day have a relationship like theirs. Even though the reality is they could have had a shitty relationship. We don't know. But the, the way it looked to the world was shiny and plastic and lovely and happy and you know, perfect. Yeah, it is interesting that when you when you do click on the link that's like, you know, X and X have broken up and this is why. And it is interesting that a lot of these high profile shiny celebrities who I personally don't look up to celebrities, like I I don't. I don't really find them that impressive. Like the big Hollywood stars. Mm. I'm like, what makes you better than everyone else? Like we've all got problems. And I think a lot of it is like our work schedules and we were travelling too much and we were too busy. And that is interesting because I just think that's quite sad, really. Like, we, we put these people on a pedestal, but they have problems like everyone else. So in... in that, a- that's the pat reason, isn't it? They, they never say us, because he made a really weird noise when we were making <laughs> love, and I just couldn't get past that. In a, in a way, the only positive, I think, of like those horrible clickbait headlines and the celebrity gossip is like, it does shine a torch on, everyone has problems, everyone has relationship breakups, if we can learn from each other, that's great, but let's not think people are perfect and then like shun them for not being perfect. I do think there's a danger though with the, you know, the way that what you were saying, Shappy, of the way that the, well, the media and the public feast on the details of the breakup. Um, I do think that there's something quite cruel about that actually, because you know we've all been through breakups and some of them can be really tough and really mm-hmm. some of the most challenging times in your life. And I think to have it kind of poured over in the media and very much, you know, team this person, team that Mm. person. And, you know, often your side of the story or the truth about what's really happening will never come out and should never come out. But, you know, to watch people kind of make up stuff or twist the truth or call you the villain, no matter what happened, it really isn't our business and no one knows what the relationship is like. And, you know, you were talking about fidelity and monogamy Mm. being the be-all and end-all in some people's eyes. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe one person did cheat, but maybe there was a whole host of years leading up to this and we don't know anything about Mm. it and we shouldn't. And I just can't imagine anything worse in a way than going through a really incredibly public breakup and having and being heartbroken and having and everyone judge you. photos of you yeah, depressed and, in your car. And, and judging you and deciding that this is why you broke up because you were this and you did that and it's your fault. And I just think I just think mm. it's, it's really cruel, actually. And mm. everyone knows what nonsense it is. Unless they're really thick, everyone knows what nonsense it is. But everyone knows that the journalists writing that will know it's shit and hating themselves for having to eke a living out of this crap. Everyone knows it's bollocks. So 
I imagine you'd have to find a way if you were that Hollywood star to block it out. I how much did everyone laugh at Gwyneth Paltrow and um, that other bloke, that bloke she, I can't remember Chris her name. I told you I can't remember my best friend's oh, name. conscious uncoupling. <laughs> yeah, that conscious uncoupling. I so relate to that now. I relate, I thought, oh, what, what hippie shit is this? But I really get it. It's like the respect is there, the friendship perhaps is there and it can be built on. Yeah, but cool. this isn't, not everyone that breaks up then hates each other. And you have to remember this. Well, yeah, you have to remember that this is a person you chose to be with and choose mm-hmm. paint wall colour with and perhaps have, have kids with. You can't suddenly then go on a hate thing. We'll go, we'll go out and we'll slag off our exes. No, I don't want to slag off my exes. They were really good people. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's a sort of juvenile. I really, I love that. That's just, mm. just such a good Where's message, isn't it? Because why would you throw everything away? Oh, there's this comedian who uh, I shan't name. Um, always did stuff about what horror show his ex-girlfriends are. And I sit there and go, mate, will you just go out with people you like? Don't a lot of comedians really like feast on like my ex this and my ex that? I think perhaps they do when they're in pain. But I saw a comic recently do material about his divorce and he did, did it with such self-awareness of where he is. And you didn't see his his ex that he was talking about as a dickhead. You saw it as a real two complex human beings who'd been together for this amount of time and now they were clunking along together rather than rolling along together. And you saw that and he did it with self-awareness and uh, it was perfect. Like I'm gonna say Dan Antoposky. It was mm. such a brilliant show. Um, and you it was you never felt that anyone was being slagged off. You got mm. the complexity of human mm. relationships. And that's what Nick Hornby does as well. I keep going on about mm. Nick Hornby because um, I've rediscovered him really recently. Um, anyway. <laughs> I feel like we kind of, that kind of almost loops back again into what we were talking about with the sharing thing because if you're going to do like a comedy show and talk about your breakup, again, like, do you need consent from that person and it opens mm. up that whole... There was one at Edinburgh that I saw and he, he kept calling her... Uh, like the name and then for legal reasons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brilliant. So that was quite funny because it was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, just to end, I just wanted to ask one quick question. So with the celebrity breakup thing, because I know people listening will probably think this, do you think that because they have they have high earning jobs and they're in the public eye that actually they are like open to scrutiny? Do you think that it's part of the job? Because I personally don't. I think celebrities or actors or actresses or whoever work quite hard actually um and we shouldn't just like rip them apart what would you say when that celebrity has earned their millions by purely selling what they've chosen and purely selling their life their relationship their children's images Mm -hmm. and how do you then draw the line well that's interesting because because that katie price had a breakup recently and, and her they broken up. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I was good at. That's the one that broke me. So I think it depends because she's owning it and she's using loose women as a platform to talk about it. Mm. I guess I'm just I don't know why. I've never really been that person that's like preaching to protect celebrities. Like I'm not I don't know where this has come from. I think it's just that they're making something creative. They're spending like hours and hours and hours on film sets. Why do why do they deserve to have their well, personal lives? Well, I think there's a, there's a, there's a apart? we just you just nailed it with what there's a difference yeah. between people who are famous as a byproduct of their talent and what they do and they have a job so you 
do comedy that's your job you know because you become famous as a byproduct of that you didn't set out and go I want to be a, a famous person well maybe, maybe you did <laughs> but who knows so basically but, Kim but, Kardashian and Kanye know, West but if up, you're, it's sort of yeah, like yeah if you're a reality TV star season. or someone who makes you know it's now a job to be a celebrity without any sort of other mm. so called you know ta- talent I mean you have obviously a talent for being a reality star and a business person and all the rest of it but I do think there's a difference and I think a lot of people are incredibly talented and they're sharing their talents with the world and yes they're getting paid handsomely for it but they don't necessarily you know they shouldn't have their lives scrutinized in that way and I think if you are someone who like you said has made your money out of you know your personal life your kids your husband's your affairs all the rest of it being in the public sphere you then can't complain when it when it yeah, is yeah. Um, so again you have to be maybe a bit smart you know, and you all know this better than I, Shepi. You, you're in the public eye, so you have to be a bit smart about the choices you make of how much you do decide to share publicly, how much you keep to yourself as a personal. And, and once you cross the line, I guess it's kind of hard to go back on that. It certainly is, but but I, I, I don't, I'm not in that category. I don't think there's an interest in me the way there is in, in uh, Katie Price or whatever. But it's, it's an interesting thing. And then you... Um, you can not read those things. You can opt out of it. Mm. I, I love why I'm like, when I click the link, it's like, yeah, I know. Well, and you click don't the really link, reading it. And the man with the gun to my head saying, come on, who are the ugliest celebrities of 2017? <laughs> I am, f- who's, who's hot but goes out with someone ugly? I came across that one the other day. Wow, <laughs> what kind of animal sets up that? And what kind of worse animal looks at it? Me. <laughs> well i think those three topics just like totally interweaved and Mm. and almost complemented each other um shappy thank you so much i'm now gonna go away in my usual panic of oh god i shared too much i talked too much did i swear i I shouldn't have got my breasts out at the beginning of the podcast (laughs) Um, Um, also on meeting shappy downstairs before recording i did compliment you on your amazing book Oh, Nina is not okay. You. Just thought we'd give that a little shout out. Nina's not okay. Out on paperback now too. It's out on paperback. Yeah. And if people do want to hear more from you, um, is there other ways? So you've got Twitter, obviously. They can start. Yeah, I've got a website, shabby.co.uk. And also, right, I've set up a Facebook page. I've never had one before. It's called Shabby Corsandi's Cafe. I don't know what to put on it, and I haven't <gasps> got that many people like. You can put this podcast on it. Yeah, I haven't, got, I haven't <laughs> got that many people following me on it. And I, I think I ought to do that, but I, I live on Twitter. I live on it. Thank you for coming on our very honest, unfiltered, very friendly and conversational podcast.